There is a word from the Lord. I'm just so glad to see y'all this morning. Aren't you glad to be here? Give God a hand clap of praise. Welcome all those who are online and those who are watching with us. Some have made it back from, from the holiday season. Some are still out. Some may be recovering from some bad food or too much food, all sorts of things. But whatever the case may be, I pray that you enjoyed your Thanksgiving. And I am extremely thankful for you. There is a word from the Lord from the book of Psalms, chapter 24, starting at verse 1. And I'm going to have you guys read it with me in the ESV as we prepare to sing praise thing. You can go down if you like. Uh, we're, we're ready to go. Give them a hand. They come and they work every week. They're on Planet Center learning their songs and learning their music. And uh, give a hand for the musicians as well. They do a great job. <laughs> Extremely happy to be a part of such a great team. Y'all ready to read this morning? If it's your first time, it's our custom to read uh, the Lord's word while we stand. If you don't feel like standing, you don't have to. We'll read from the screens. I'm just glad that you're here. You ready? Let's read. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. They're going a little bit slower than me, but that's okay. Established it upon the rivers, doing two or three things at once. Verse 3, who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false, and who does not dissuade deceitfully, he will receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of God, O Jacob, Salah. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Hallelujah. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord God mighty in battle. Sing this with me. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Shout it. And lift them up, O you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Somebody shout and give God a praise for that. <laughs> Hallelujah. I want you to help me preach today. You may be seated. Look to your neighbor for a second and say, neighbor, he did it all by himself. <laughs> say it one more time. He did it all by himself. In 1979, there was a song that was penned, and I remember it. And the reason I remember it is because we often sung this song at the church I grew up at as a toddler, Harvard Chapel Missionary Baptist Church. And my, my sister, Berna, would always sing this song. We call her Bunny, but her name is Berna. But for all intents and purposes, Bunny would get up, and she would sing this song, and it was a beautiful song. And it wasn't very complicated at all. If she would sing this, she'd say, God made the mountains, and God, he made the trees, and every fish that swims in the sea, he did it all by himself. <laughs> and the, the chorus of the song would say this, he did it all by himself. He hung the moon, the sun, 
the stars in the sky. He did it all by himself. What was Bunny singing? What was she singing? She was singing something that we don't look at as much today. She was talking about the power and the majesty of God. For millennia and centuries, people have built big cathedrals and they built big buildings and Sistine chapels and all sorts of things. And what they were trying to convey by building buildings that were so big that humans themselves couldn't build them by themselves. They were trying to get you to get a visual when you walked in that as you came in and you saw big stained glass windows and you saw 20 and 30 and 40 and 50 and 60 foot ceilings. And when you walked in the building and you felt so small they were trying to convey to you that even in man's attempt to show you how big he is man still can't do it and if you're that small compared to this small building imagine how small you are to the person who made the universe I want you to know that in our solar system, there are millions of Earths that can fit in the sun. And even inside of our sun that can fit millions of Earths, there are bigger stars in the solar system, in the universe, Turhan, that can hold millions of our stars. And outside of the vast expanse of that universe, outside of the vast expanse of our ever-expanding universe, there is a God that's bigger than it all, that is all-powerful, that is all-seeing that is all knowing that is everywhere at the same time and guess what he doesn't need any help he did it all by himself <laughs> why do I need to get why do I need to shout for that because right now we are living in a time where people lose their hope do you not know that suicides go more in the holiday season than any other time because people are depressed because they can't buy the gifts that they think they should have or they can't see the loved ones that have gone on to glory and they feel like there's nothing in life that can take away this hopelessness and there's nothing in this life that can take away the despair and there's nothing in this life that can heal this pain but I've come to you to let you know that if God can make the mountains and God can make the sea, that God can heal your broken heart this morning. God can give you hope and a future this morning. God can heal what ails you because he did it all by himself. And it simply means that he doesn't need any help. God is gone all by himself. There's a scripture in Psalms, and I love it because God writes through the psalmist. He said, if I was hungry, I wouldn't tell you because the earth is mine and everything in it. I need nothing. Why do we need to know this? Because nowadays we've gotten a little casual with God. Familiarity breeds contempt. And when we become used to something, we tend to diminish the greatness of a thing. Jesus put it this way, that a prophet is without honor in his own home. In other words, they couldn't see the greatness of Jesus. They couldn't see the greatness of the son of God. When Jesus went to his own home to heal people, other people were being healed. Other people were being delivered. Other people were being set free. But when he got home, they said, oh, that's just Joseph's and Mary boy. They had no respect for him. They didn't really appreciate who he was. And because they could not appreciate who he was and they could not value him how he needed to be valued. The Bible said that he could heal not many, save a few because they did not value what they had. I've come to let you know that whatever you don't value, you will vacate. What do you mean? Whatever you 
taken value or high esteem, you will lose. And I'm afraid sometimes today in our world, although sometimes we've been a bit overzealous in our praise, we've gotten too casual with God. <laughs> it's good to know that you are a friend of God. It's good to know that God loves you. And he told his disciples, I no longer call you. Uh, disciples, I no longer call you followers just merely, but I call you friends. And sometimes we sing that song. I love that song. I am a friend of God. It's good to know that you are a friend of God, but sometimes when you get close to your friend, you let stuff go that you would let other people see. You get a little too casual and you say things to people that you normally wouldn't say because you've stopped to value the relationship. And when people first get saved, you can't beat them in the door of the church because they realize that I'm a sinner and I deserve death, hell and the grave. But God's mercy has saved me. But after a while, they start to come to church and they get used to God and God keep giving them life and giving them strength. And they take it for granted and they forget the fact that God is big and holy and that he should always be honored and that he should always be respected and that he should always be taken in high esteem that God is full of glory and if you look at that Hebrew word for glory that word literally means weight in other words God when his weight comes in he wants to throw his weight around in other words when he comes in there's nobody else like him in all the earth there never was anybody like him there never will be anybody like him he he is who was, he is who is, and is to come. And when we come into his house, when we come into his house, it's good to meet family. It's good to meet friends. But when we come into his house, there should be something on the inside of us, even if that we're standing up, that bows down and says, I'm in the presence of a holy God. I'm in the presence of the king of the universe. You know why we do some of the stuff that we do? Because we forget that we're always in the presence of a holy God, that God is omnipresent. I laugh when I go places and people start cussing around me and they'll say, oh, I'm sorry, preacher. I didn't mean to cuss around you. And I laugh because you can see me. But what you don't realize is that all the time God has been around you. Our behavior would change if we realize that all the time God is around us. He's not just omnipotent. He's not just omnipotent, but he's omnipresent. We're going to talk a little deeper on that. But I want you to get three points today, and then I'm going to let you go. The first one I want you to get is the majesty of God. Everybody said the majesty of God. When you hear that word majesty, you think about majestic, you think about royalty, you re realize that God is all powerful and that he's not just a king, that Jesus is the king of kings. There is no king that is greater than him. So when I come in here, I'm not just coming, just oh, ho hum and drum and casual. I'm coming in here because I come to honor you. I didn't come to see what Brother Ernie had on. I didn't come to see what Austin would wear. I came to see Jesus. I came to get it healing. I came to get a breakthrough. I came to get a miracle. I came to get a contact from a holy God. I didn't come to be entertained by the praise team, but I came to, to get among believers and to bow my head and lift my hand and say, God, I'm setting aside this time to give you praise, Amen. to give you glory. 
Psalms 24, verse 1 through 2. This is a song that was sung. And many theologians think that this song was sung when they took the ark from the house of Obed-Edom. And Obed-Edom held the ark as the, as the presence of God. The ark represented the presence of God in the Old Testament. And when they took the ark from, from Obed-Edom and they put it back in the temple, they believed that they would sit outside and they would sing this as a song. And it was a call and response. And they would say, who is the king of glory? The Lord God strong and mighty. Then they said the Lord God mighty in battle. And what they were literally saying is that the presence of God is in this house. I come to let you know whether you are aware or not that whether or not the worship touched your heart that the presence of God is in this house. Why do you know, preacher? Because the word of God is going forth and wherever God's word is, he is there also. So they wanted you to get a thought of what they were saying. So they let you know right out that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. I thought I was grown and I could do anything. I was big enough and bad enough to do only because he let you boo boo. Because at the end of the day, you belong to God. It says he has founded upon the seas and he has established it upon the waters in church. We are paying attention to everything except God. We come to church for praise team. We come to church for worship. We come to church to hear a, a, a good sermon. But what you need to know is, number one, that the whole world belongs to God. Why don't I give up hope when every time I turn on the news that something bad is happening in the world? Why don't I give up hope? Because I know at the end, I know above it all, God is in control and nothing can happen to me unless he allows it. And if he allows it and it happens to me, it, although I might not like it, I know I don't know what he knows and I will submit to his sovereign will. Because this is his earth, and this is his body, and this is his tongue, and these are his lips, and this is his mind. And I don't preach to you what I want to preach. I preach to you what he wants you to hear, and he wants you to hear. It is time for the church to come back to me, and honor me as God. God is not impressed with smoke. God is not impressed with lights. God is not impressed with, with nice clothes. God is not prom, uh, impressed with praise teams that look like they're hip and they're cool. All that is good. The only thing God is impressed with is a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Those who are repentant in heart. The fullness. Notice that he says the earth is the Lord. But then he says the fullness thereof. He makes a distinction. You know why? Because not only does God own the house, he owns the furniture too, Turhan. <laughs> he owns everything in it. Everything that's produced in the earth from the grass to the crops to the money that's on the inside. The cattle on a thousand hills. It all belongs to him. I thought I had my degree and my degree is what made me money. No, you only have money because God allowed you to have it because it all belongs to him. That's why giving is such a joy. We don't, we don't have to give. We get to give. Why? Because I am simply giving back to God what he has already given to me. I don't mind giving away something. If Turhan asked me for $100 and it's my last $100, I probably, probably might have a problem with giving it. But if Turhan asked me for $100 and it was Brother Dennis $100, I'd probably give it a little bit quicker because it wasn't mine. I wouldn't have a problem with giving away what wasn't mine. You know why we have problems with giving in churches across America? Because people think their money is there and they don't realize that it's not there. It's God's. 
<laughs> you know why our churches have problems with people showing up and worshiping? Because they think that their body is there. Your body is not yours. Your body is God. And you ought to be glad that he let you get up this morning. Like the old folks used to say, he woke me up this morning. And he clothed me in my right mind. And he gave me a reasonable portion of my health and strength. And because he did, I'm going to give him back what he's given to me. I'm going to use this body to give him praise. I'm going to use this body to give him glory. I'm going to use this body to give him worship. It's easy to be discouraged when we see all the evil in the world. 2 Corinthians 4 and 4 describes Satan as the God of this world, but even he has a God that he must bow to. He has to bow to the God of the universe. So even the evil that we see in the world, Satan is on a short leash. He can only do what God will allow. And don't you know, this is wonderful, that even when we rebel, God is still God. <laughs> even when we think we're hurting him, even when anybody ever been in here been, been, been mad at God and thought, no, I'm going to be mad at you. <laughs> I know our kids do that sometimes. If I'm mad at you, I just won't come around. And every time you come to give me love, I say, hmm, you wouldn't let me go where I wanted to go. You wouldn't give me my way. Anybody ever had a child that do something like that and feel like they're punishing you? And as you get older, the parent, you realize you did that to your parent and you were wasting their time because they ain't hurting you. They're hurting themselves because they are cutting themselves off from the person who has the ability to bless their life. Even when you're mad at God, he's still God. Even when you don't understand what he's doing, he's still God. God, why did you let my loved one die? Because I'm God and I do what I want. The Lord is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. I don't understand. My ways are as far from your ways as the heavens are from the earth. It's not for you to understand something. It's for you to obey. If you knew everything, you'd be God and I wouldn't be God. So why don't you just trust me and walk with me? Job thought he was big and bad enough to get before God and ask God, God, I demand an explanation of you. I've lost my car. I've lost my house. I've lost my family. I lost everything except my nagging wife. The one thing I really want to get rid of, you kept, God. You left it here. I got a problem with you, God. She's the one that's telling me to die, and, and, and you left her, but everybody else is gone, God. What? Why is this? And God said, you want to know? He said, yeah. I, he said, I'll talk to you. Gird yourself up like a man. And he thought God was going to explain it him why he was going through but he began to ask questions he said Job <coughs> where were you when I hung the sun and the moons and the stars in the sky and when I put the earth on its four corners where were you when I put breath and life into your body he said God I can't answer those questions he said well then stop asking me questions I'm God <laughs> This time for the church to declare that God is God and to get a respect again for God. We become casual with God. We become lackadaisical with God. I might show up at church today. I might not. I might give. I might not. I might raise my hand. I might not. Do you not realize who you're doing that to? You are doing that to the maker and the creator of the universe. You don't sit down on the praise team when you sit down. You sit down on God. You don't stop anything from going when you don't give. You're not giving to God because God will bring it in whenever he wants to. The Lord is in the heavens and he does whatever he pleases. He did it all by himself. Not only do I want you to think about, hallelujah, not only do I want you to think about the majesty of God, 
But when you think about the majesty of God, nobody has to pump and prime you. Everybody says the privilege of worship. Because when you realize who God is, worship and church attendance and giving your life to God no longer becomes a job. It becomes a privilege. You, you know what? Anybody who's famous has people around them. They have groupies. Why? Because they realize that this person got more clout than I do and I can become better by getting close to them. Why don't we do that to God? <laughs> Why don't we realize that God can give me more clout than anybody else? God can give me more more exposure than TMZ. Why don't we realize that having a relationship with God is more important than a relationship with anybody else? It's not that I have to come to church. I get to come to church because you know, somewhere in a convalescent home, there's somebody looking up and they can't move. There's somebody looking up and they can't breathe. There's somebody looking up and they don't have hands to wave. But while you got it, you ought to thank God that he's allowed you to give him praise. <laughs> When I realize how powerful he is, it becomes a privilege. When I realize even when you're not in here and I'm praying that I begin to think about the expanse of the universe and how big the creator is. Nobody has to tell me to bow my knees, but something on the inside lets me know that I need to get down before a holy God. How God is in the heavens. And he does whatever he pleases. But this is the instance. Not everybody gets to worship God. Did you know that? Jesus said that if, if you don't praise me, the rocks will cry out. Everything must praise God. Let everything that has breath praise God. But there is a distinct difference between praise and worship. The Bible says in our text today, it says, Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? In other words, who can get into the real presence of God? It says, He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Read that with me. Let's Read it together. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false, and who does not swear deceitfully. Hallelujah. You can lift our hands and we can lift our voices and we can cry with tears in our eyes and we can have a wonderful experience on the inside of this building, but our life cries out louder to God than our tears ever will. God is not concerned about how you come in here and lift your hands. He's not concerned about how you come in here and worship. It does me good. I love to be around believers that are worshiping. Turn. I love to see people's hands raised and in the presence of God when I can look real quick because most times I'm worried about my, my own relationship with God and I, I get into worship mode. But this is what God is not interested in. He doesn't want your outside actions and not to have your heart. <laughs> Our life is what cries loudest to God. Why? Because of this. There is a big difference between proximity and presence. Pastor, what's that mean? There's a big difference between proximity and presence. When you look on the stage, I'm standing in proximity. To Turhan. I'm close to Turhan. But I'm talking to you. In other words, if Turhan said something to me, I really couldn't see it nor hear it. Because although we're in proximity, he's not in my presence. He doesn't have my attention. You can be in the house of God 
and God not hear a word you say. People say, well, I know God. I have a relationship with God. I pray to God. No, you're in proximity with God, but you're not in his presence. You're missing out on something. There are some general blessings God gives to everyone. Even sinners, God gives certain things to. Sinners don't have to ask for breath. God gives it to them. And you can be in proximity on the church, but you're not in the presence of God. How do I know? When everybody else's hands are raised, but I feel dead on the inside. I don't feel anything toward God. Guess what? I'm in his proximity, but I'm not in his presence. <laughs> When I get excited about everything on TV, but I never get excited about opening my Bible and reading it and get learning more about him. I'm in his proximity, but I'm not in his presence. <laughs> I'm being fooled. The Bible says this, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only because you're fooling yourself. <laughs> Satan doesn't mind that you showed up to church today. Satan doesn't mind that you showed up. He's happy that you showed up because many of you might be patting yourself on the back when you showed up, but it's not what you do when you come here is what you do when you walk out those doors will you open your bible again before you i see you next sunday will you pray to god and stop asking him for stuff and start asking him what he wants from you see that's how your prayers change when you're not in proximity and you're in your presence, your prayers become selfless instead of selfish. You stop asking God to do things for you and you start asking God, what do you want from me? And there are many people in, in churches all over America, they're missing out on the blessing because they have been fooled to think that proximity and presence are the same thing. But I've come to tell you, there are some things that the presence of God will give you that proximity never will. Come here, woman with the issue of blood. The woman with the issue of blood needed a touch from Jesus. And when she needed something for Jesus, she was looking for some Jesus and she touched the hem, the, the, the tassel that ran down from his garment and Jesus said somebody touch me and, and all of a sudden his disciples said Lord that's foolish because you see all these people around you anybody could have touched you they were in his proximity but no she came looking for something she didn't she wasn't happy with proximity she needed his presence I because the Bible says that there's healing in his wings and that's what the Jews knew about that tassel that went down it was called the wing and she said if I could touch that tassel I'd be healed I don't want to just get in proximity I won't get I want to get close enough to touch him I wonder if there's anybody in here that said I don't want to just show up so pastor see me in the building but I want to get so close to God that I can feel his presence when I'm in my car I can feel his presence when I'm in my living room I can feel his presence when I'm all by myself God is looking for people who are tired of proximity and they want presence. They're tired of church as usual. They're tired of needing a crowd of people to make them feel like they have church. They want, God is looking for people that will worship him in spirit and in truth. I got this quote not from myself but from one of my pastor friends. He was going on a cohort and, and I looked at it when he put it up and he said, there is no live. He, he quoted from another doctor. He said, there is no live or dead worship. There there is only true or false worship. <laughs> See, in our churches, 
We equated worship with how high we can jump. And I know we charismatic. We, high, we jump real high. And we yell. And every now and then, Brother David, do me good. And he'll give a war cry. I can count on Sister Phyllis to keep it alive. Or somebody to give it to me. That, that gives us that old-fashioned that, hey, we're in the presence of God. And we're having good church. But that doesn't indicate worship. We think live worship is when the band is hot and they never miss a lick. We think live worship is when the praise team never mixes a note. We think of live worship when everybody rocking and they moving. No, baby, that's a concert. That's not worship. That's not live or dead. Do you not know you could not be saying a word and walking here and feel the presence of God? Because worship is not live or dead. It's either true or it's false. How do you know? Prove it to me in the Bible. I sure will. John chapter 3. He said that their father seeks such that will worship me and spirit and in truth am i giving god what's true am i simply in proximity to god but i'm missing out on something more if you showed up in this building if you're watching online i'm glad that you are in the proximity of god but as a shepherd my heart aches for you if you're only in the proximity but never in the presence why can't I give up habits? Why can't I stop smoking? Why can't I stop drinking? Why can't I stop lust? Why can't I stop Snapchat? Why can't I stop OnlyFans? Why can't I stop all this other stuff that's on my phone? Because you in the, oh yeah, I said it. Yeah, why can't I stop all this other stuff? Because you, why can't I stop swiping left and swiping right? Why can't I stop sleeping around? Why can't I stop this? Because baby, you in the proximity, but you're not in his presence. Because if you were in his presence, you couldn't do those things in his presence. There's simply things to her when I was grown that I still wouldn't do in my mama's presence. <laughs> I might do them if I was around and she couldn't see me doing them. But if I knew she was paying attention, I wasn't big and bad about it up to do it, even though I was grown in a house with kids. The reason a lot of times we do the things we do is because we are trapped in a proximity of God and never get close to him. We don't realize his majesty. It is not, it's possible to be around God in what we call worship and never get his intention. But I want to worship that doesn't need an organ. Oh, an organ. I, want, I need a worship that doesn't need an audience. I need worship that will touch the heart of God. Worship. I put this up and I, I put up all sorts of motivational quotes for you guys and things like that. And it's amazing when I put up something motivational, everybody clicks on it. Everybody likes it. Everybody likes to be motivated. They like this. But I put this up and I didn't get, no, I, Sister Barbara, don't you know, I didn't get many likes and clicks on it. I put this up. It said, Worship is not measured in decibels, it is weighed in brokenness. Worship has nothing to do. With how loud you are. David said, sacrifice and offerings you have not desired or I would have given to them, them to you. But what you desire, oh God, is a contrite heart and a broken spirit. When you realize how holy God is. Isaiah said that this way to her, he said, in the year that King Uzziah died. <laughs> 
I saw the Lord and he was high and lifted up and his train filled the temple that smoke began to fill the temple. For those of you who don't like smoke machines, you're not going to be able to be happy in heaven because that's smoke up there too. But at the same time, his train filled the temple. But this is the thing that when God asked him and he looked and compared himself, that's the problem. You keep comparing yourself to me. You're not doing any good. But when he started to compare himself to God, he looked up and God said, I need you to go. And he said, I can't because he said, when I look at your holiness, I realize that I'm a man that is unclean and have unclean lips and I hang around people that are unclean and that have unclean lips and he got close enough to God for the angel to touch his lips and to purge all that stuff out of him so he could be sent. It's not that you can't be sent but God wants you to get close enough to you that if you get close to him he'll begin to purge that stuff out of you. You might to stop with your alcoholism but if you get close to him it'll go away you might still be smoking drinking having fornicating doing whatever you're doing but i challenge you today that there's something better than what you have get close to god and he'll begin to burn that stuff off of you you can't get close to a fire and then not start to send things off of you and the closer you get to god he'll begin a process called sanctification and every day you become a new creation Hallelujah. Worship is not measured in decibels. It's measured in brokenness. Worship is not measured by how much you lifted your hands when the band was playing. Worship is measured by how broken you are at this altar when the sermon is over. And, and, and the lights are off and the camera is off. How broken are you to say, when I realize how holy you are, God, I realize that I'm not worshiping you like I need to worship you. I realize that I'm not in your presence how I need to be in your presence. And I'm not even going to wait for the pastor to finish. I'm going to go to the altar now and I'm going to worship you. But not only do we not, number one, need to look at the majesty of God and number two, the privilege of worship. But the last thing I want you to see is the beauty of trust. Everybody said the beauty, beauty. Of, trust. of trust. Hallelujah. Such is the generation. Verse 5, he will receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him. Lord Jesus, is there anybody that's seeking him today? That's looking for presence and not proximity. If you came today, I believe you came because you're tired of religion as usual. You're tired of church as usual and you want something different. I've come to offer you something different today that church can't give you. And that's a relationship with Jesus Christ. Such, hallelujah, such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of God. Oh, Jacob, God is looking for somebody who is not merely seeking his hand for blessing but are seeking his face for his presence because you can't get my face and not have access to my hand. You got it all wrong. We're preaching in people's pulpits, huh? That if you give, you'll get blessed. If you do this, you'll get blessed. Yeah, they're blessing to that. And people are running and dancing for new houses and new cars. But the truth of it is, if you just seek God's face, he would give you his hand. How do you know? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you if you saw his face you would automatically get his hand 
And whether you know it or not, even when you're not seeking his face, you're getting part of his hand. Because not one time while you've been sitting here listening to me, have you ever thought to yourself, I need to breathe in and I need to breathe out. You know what that's called? The mercy of God. Your mind isn't even on breathing. Your mind isn't even on your heart beating. But it never stopped beating. That is the mercy of God. Such is the generation of those who seek the face of God, O Jacob. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. God is looking for somebody with clean hands and a pure heart. He doesn't care where you've been. He doesn't care what you did last night. He doesn't care what you did on the way to church. Right now, you can have clean hands and a pure heart. How do you know? Because David said, though my sins be a scarlet, I will, he will make them white as snow. If you give your life to Jesus, if you commit to Jesus today, He'll wipe away every dirty, dark, and nasty thing that you ever done. And nobody, even the devil himself, who named me as accuser, has the right to accuse you because who the Son has set free. Good God Almighty, is free indeed. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, the beauty of trust. Hallelujah. How do you trust God? You begin to thank him. You begin to do what he asked you to do. You hear him speaking to you right now saying, this is your last chance. This, this, you didn't show up here today by accident. It's time for you to come on in. It's time for you to give your heart to him. And what he's letting you know is I'm giving you mercy to give you another chance. I'm not going to keep giving you resets. At some point in time, you're going to hit the reset button and you're going to be out. But while you hear me now, the day you hear my voice, harden not your heart. You can be with Christ today. God has made it where we can come boldly before his throne. And there's a difference between boldness and arrogance. Boldness is me walking to the door and knowing the door is going to open up. Arrogance is walking to the door and thinking it should open up just because I'm who I am. But, but this is boldness. I'm walking to a door that I know I don't have a right for it to open. I know that it shouldn't open. As a matter of fact, I know that it should be shut in my face. But I come boldly because my father has told me because he dipped me in his red blood that when I I come boldly before his throne, the door is going to open. And whatever I bound on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever I loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And God has given me the privilege to come before his throne. Therefore, when I come before him, I have the beauty of trust. Now that I have come into God's presence and I'm no longer praying selfish me prayer, but I'm wanting what God wants for my life. Now I can pray and the, and the word will make sense that whatsoever your heart desires when you pray, believe it that you shall receive it and you shall have it. Well, Pastor, I've been believing that I shall receive a long time and I haven't been receiving. Well, you skip James because James said you have not because you ask not. And when you ask, you ask amiss for the wrong reasons. God's not going to honor those type of prayers. But if you will have a contrite heart and a broken spirit and come to a holy God and repentance and say, just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me and that thou biddest come to me, O Lamb of God, I come. He will hear your cry. Amen. Oh, 
Lord Jesus. Lay me at the throne of mercy where I'll find a sweet relief. I'm kneeling there in deep contrition. Help my unbelief. I'm calling you Savior. Savior, hear my humble cry. Why those or other thou are calling, please do not pass me by. Is there anybody who wants to experience the beauty of worship, true worship today? I'm opening up this altar right now that you will come and say, Lord, I need you, Lord. I'm tired of living the way I've been living. I'm tired of church as usual. I want to be in your presence. I don't want to just worship you with my hands, but I want to worship you in spirit and truth. I know Lace not the only one. Truth be told, all of us need to be at this altar. And before the day is open, I may be at this altar too. Giving him what he's due. He is a holy and a powerful God. You didn't give yourself that job. He gave you that job. You think you cute and got a nice shape or a nice body. You didn't give yourself that body. He gave it to you. You think you got a gift or a talent. Turhan can play everything he wants to. And I love Turhan. But you know what? You didn't give yourself. God gave it to you. Is there anybody in here that can admit everything I am and everything I have, God gave it to me. If you believe that, come to this altar today and begin to seek his face. Hallelujah.